Welcome back to another episode of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, where listeners can learn about leadership and other related qualities from today's most successful business people and former coaches and athletes. At Talent 409, we help high school and collegiate athletes discover their talent altitude through workshops and seminars, while increasing their opportunities for success on and off the field. In addition to student-athletes, we work with coaches and administrators, again at the high school and collegiate level, to enhance their education on how they can positively impact the performance of their teams and programs. This episode is brought to you by Sweat with Stod's Hit the Gym program. The new program that's great for people who go to the gym, but who are looking for a plan to follow. Hit the Gym is one month of six workouts per week. That's three HIT workouts and three strength workouts designed to help you build strength and sculpt your body. This program does require access to a lot of equipment, but that also means that you'll be doing a lot of different moves and you'll never get bored. The program comes as a downloadable PDF with supplemental videos that demo each move so you don't have to be an expert to do it. I personally do workouts created by Sweat With Stods, and you can do these workouts too by going to sweatwithstods.com and clicking on Hit the Gym. My listeners can also get a discount by entering the promo code CCP. Instead of $40, this program is only $30 when you use that code. What can you do with $30 in 30 days? This episode is also brought to you by Taylor Digital. Taylor Digital is a virtual design company that helps solopreneurs get established online with a cohesive image so they can feel more confident in their business. Taylor Digital offers branding, social media design, and Squarespace website design. Go to Taylor Digital, that's T-A-Y-L-A-R, taylordigital.com today to set up your free consultation. This podcast is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you have time, please take a minute and give it a five-star rating and review. Help us grow and keep the podcast content strong. The book giveaway contest ends this week with a free autographed copy of Coach Joe Patista's Pragmatic Passion, but I still want to give a moment to highlight a review on the podcast. Remember, if you give a five-star rating and review, not only are you eligible for the book, but you will get a shout-out on the show, so get on there and do it. Today's highlight comes from Steve T. in Liverpool, New York. Steve said, I enjoy your podcast. You keep it going, and I like how you set the podcast up and give a few minutes of music to focus on the main program. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Steve. We all know how much I love music, so I appreciate that you noticed that as well. On today's episode, we have Seamus Nolly on. Seamus is the CEO and co-founder of OTL Ventures out in Fort Collins, Colorado. He is also a former student athlete and competitive runner. This is a super interesting interview. One of the first people that I've been able to bring on who is directly involved in the tech and startup industry and has a lot of experience in that. So let's take a minute to get settled in, relax, get ready for this awesome conversation. But first, let's listen to America's band, Sticks.
Okay, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I have Seamus Anali on with me. Seamus, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, Colin, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I want to dive right into this. You have a really interesting career journey through your childhood, through athletics, into what you're currently doing. Very different from any of the guests that I've previously had on. So I want to make sure we save enough time to get through all this efficiently, as as you talked about before we started recording here. So let's. Uh, I'm going to let you take the floor and talk to us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So going going back, I'll start kind of from an athletic standpoint. Um, I was actually really into soccer um, and continue to be a huge huge fan. Uh, but I, I realized in tenth grade um, that I wasn't going to uh, grow enough um, in size and strength to to make it at a collegiate level, which was kind of my goal. Um, when that kind of occurred, I looked for what the the best sport out there for people waiting for puberty to hit really um, was. And I was drawn to track and field and cross country. So I, I, I dove into that as a, as a 10th grader. Uh, fortunately, it fit nicely into my personality. One of the great things about distance running is um, for the most part, it's an input equals output activity. Uh, the more effort you put in, um, the more success you get out. And, and while all athletics and sports are like that to some extent. Um, running's great because it's measured with a clock, and so you can really vi- uh, visually kind of see that, and you can feel it. And there's there's really no such thing as politics in the sport because um, if the clock says that you're fast enough, uh, you get to go to the best competitions. <laughs> no one can kind of uh, bench you, which is sure. was really really attractive to me. So from that from that standpoint, I transitioned as a tenth grader uh, into running cross country and then distance running on the track, and really experienced uh, massive improvements to start. But coming out of high school, I would say I was a year a year early in uh, actually some of the massive improvement jumps I made, which meant I I didn't have many collegiate opportunities, at least from a Division One standpoint. So I ended up uh, going Division Three, which was perfect. It kind of it gave me a situation where my coaches had patience for me to develop a little bit more um, as an athlete, which was which was wonderful. That's great. So you get to Cortland, right? Is uh, where we went to school. Yes, sir. Yes, I went to SUNY Cortland, which was a, a really interesting experience. The there's a brand new coach. Um, the team was kind of turning over, and so it was a it was a perfect opportunity for me to walk in and kind of have a, a leadership role because there was really a void of just team members in general, but definitely leaders. And while in, while in high school, my my school was, was a smaller school in upstate New York, um, but we won states and I kind of had, I had my first glimpse of what it was like to be on a high functioning team where everyone kind of pushed each other. And so walking into Cortland, I had a pretty solid vision of what what I wanted the program to become uh, in terms of what it would feel like and look like to have uh, a team of individuals all focused and disciplined and kind of going after a, a common and shared vision. So that was the, the fact that there wasn't much of a team there and there was kind of, kind of a void and a lot of changeover was actually perfect. And I think in a lot of other scenarios, I would have been able to perform as well. The team would have been able to perform as well if there was more incumbents, honestly. Very cool. So tell us, uh, you know, you've obviously had some 
uh, success there at the college level national championship, different things individually as well. And now you're out uh, West in the tech world, something very cool, very different than uh, I've even ever been able to experience. So tell us a little bit how from you know that point and in, in having that success in college, you were able to transition to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So co- college gave me a real, well, in high school and kind of being on a state championship uh, team that gave me uh, a thirst for um, kind of competitiveness and, and team success. And so at Cortland, uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, recruit some people that, in fact, I recruited a lot of people and kind of built the team just from local high schools, people that I had run against in high school. That was one of the first big lessons I took took away from Cortland, I would say, is that as an individual, you have a lot more lot more control over over the team than you would have thought possible. So, like I said, um, five of our top at runners on our national championship team were actually all live within 15 minutes of where I grew up in high school because I I got on the phone and went to meets and and just called athletes that I knew were good and I knew would would fit in nicely. So going from going from Cortland. I got an opportunity to, to run for a team uh, that was sponsored by Mizuno out in Corvallis, Oregon. And it was co-sponsored by Mizuno, as well as a company called Strands, which was building um, a Nike Plus Map My Fitness competitor. Um, so an online running log. And in moving out there, I kind of got a job working in their marketing department as an imp. Uh, I was really, really good at filling up people's coffee cups and doing data <laughs> entry for the most part. Uh, but that was my first taste of the startup world, and I would say it immediately it immediately triggered the same competitiveness in me that um, distance running did, and that kind of sports did. Where uh, um, in the startup world, you have an opportunity to, as a company grows quickly, you have an opportunity to, to move up in that company really quick. You have an opportunity to take on as many responsibilities as you're crazy enough to take on, um, and I just I just love that experience. So I spent two years out there for Strands, and, and that's, that's really where I started to recognize that product management was, uh, was kind of going to be my future. Um, and this is despite getting a, a degree in, in uh, education and teaching for half a year. Um, I kind of, that wasn't competitive enough for me, and so startups fit in, fit in perfectly. Yeah, and obviously you've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, even if maybe you didn't identify it as that when you were younger, but taking the recruiting into your own hands and building a team that was like-minded and had the same values as you did. I mean, you were already doing a lot of the things that I'm sure you do now in the business world and in the real world, as some people put it. So that's really interesting to see that, you know, you had that in you and even if you, like I said, didn't identify it, you were still able to to use it to your advantage because you were able to build a really great cross-country team in college. And now, obviously, it seems like you've been able to translate that to the next phases of your life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in hindsight, it's it's nice to look back at, at one's journey and kind of be able to pull to get together some of the, the common traits um, where, honestly, at the time... Um, I, I didn't recognize how similar, uh, the business world 
was going to be to uh, athletics and things that I'd done previously. But si- since then, I've been a lot more intentional about kind of calling out some of those some of those traits that were helpful and then making them repeatable. Uh, so since since working at that startup in in Corvallis, Oregon, I went on uh, to another one, same sort of thing. Like I was the the eighth eighth member on the team and we got to to build up the size of the company um and eventually merge and then get acquired by another company and so in that journey that was kind of a four-year journal journey for me where i went from the first product manager to the coo as we were operating as an independent subsidiary and uh went from you know eighth person on the team to having 150 people um, in the division which from a uh, company size is nothing special when you look at Fortune 500 and stuff. But uh, for my own personal journey, that was tremendous in seeing the growth and uh, how people's strengths and weaknesses are kind of put to work as you grow from you know 10 person company to 150 people. Uh, so that was that was that was a lot of fun, and it was in that time that I started really looking back at my athletic career and and trying to pull lessons around team building and recruiting and stuff like that um, and really put them to put them to work in a much more intentional fashion. Something I think we probably could both agree on is when you're in athletics and you're in competition, if you train too much or you train too hard, there's an opportunity for burnout, injury, a combination of the two. Bad things can happen if you overexert yourself. In the business world, especially in the startup world, the tech world, uh, specifically, you read about a lot of folks and a lot of companies that deal with employees who are burning out really early on and companies that are floundering as a result of that. You were able to establish some level of balance in your athletic career because you found that success. You, You mentioned earlier in running, it was very easy to measure what that success was. There was a clock and there wasn't any you know, politics involved or anything like that. In the business world, that can be a little bit more ambiguous. That can be uh, a little bit more difficult to, to measure, uh, but you still want to achieve that balance because you do realize the risks that come with burnout and with you know, overexerting yourself on a, on a non-physical uh, aspect. So I'm just wondering what your methods were, whether that's something you learned in athletics and took with you to the business world or something you've had to change as you've grown into your career. Yeah, that, no, that's a really good question. And something that I've definitely had periods of time where I, I did a good job with that and uh, time was where I've done a very poor job. I think uh, what I learned from from distance running is best case scenario, you get out what you put in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's always misfortune and injury that happens. And then there's always luck that can maybe at times get you a better performance than you thought. But for the most part, um, best case scenario is, is you get out what you, what you put in and, and that's the mentality I brought into work. And so distance running, what that meant for me is, you know, running anywhere between 14 to 18 miles every single day, going to work. What that meant for me is, is working you know, 10, 12 hours, that was even when I was still training really um, at a high level, that was kind of like bare minimum. And I, I thought to be expected. However, what I was what I learned pretty quickly is, is your brain's a, a little, your brain, much like every other muscle does well on rest. And so um, after, I would say, 
periods of my career. So, for example, when I became the COO of uh, the company at the time, it was called Chronotrack. Chronotrack, it's since been rebranded. But when I was promoted to COO, um, my wife and I did a calculation of how many hours I put in up to that point. And in the two years I'd been with the company, we calculated that I'd, I'd done about three years worth of, worth of work for them on the conservative side. And so, but then what happened is when I became the COO, um, I was so burnt out. I didn't have, I wasn't able to lead with the same amount of energy that I, that I was, was previously. And so since moving on from that position and I now have my own, my own startup and, and we're back to, you know, we're a 10 person team, but, uh, moving on from that experience, I realized that being sharp mentally was the most important thing I could do. Um, and so I've, I've struck a balance where if I feel like I'm not mentally sharp, um, I, I leave the desk and sometimes that happens, uh, you know, 10, 12 hours into a day. Other times that happens six hours in the day, but I learned to kind of listen to myself. Um, and I've extended that same freedom to any of my employees. And so if they're banging their head against the wall at, at 10 AM and I recognize that, you know, we say, take an early lunch, go for a bike ride, go for a run, go do whatever you need to do so that you're going to be mentally sharp because it's only that time that's that's really valuable to to uh, me as a coworker, and it's only that time that's valuable to my company. You know, yeah, and I think it's awesome that you've identified that, and not only for yourself, but you obviously given some leeway and some of that advice to your coworkers and to your team, and you've encouraged them to take advantage of you know if there is burnout occurring or something along those lines. I'm wondering if you have any advice for the people who are a little bit less fortunate than you or your uh, team may be, and maybe they are locked in at a desk for at least eight hours a day, if not longer, and they don't have the flexibility to take an early lunch or to go out for a walk or a bike ride. Do you have any tips for them to say, like, there's still a way that you can give the mind a break and be productive at work, even if you can't get away from your desk per se? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm extremely spoiled. Um, and <laughs> most people living and, and working in the software startup world are spoiled. Um, we substitute se- job security for, um, kind of day-to-day freedom to some extent. Um, so depending on where you are in life and, and how you look at it, um, in my opinion, uh, that makes me spoiled. Other people, um, would look at that and say, you're crazy. You know, what about things like 401k and stuff, you know, but uh, what, what I would say, and what we try to preach is that our goal every day is just to be a little bit better than we were the day before. In fact, we have book bags that say be better. And it's not like take over the world or uh, they, a lot of times in the software world and startup culture, they use terms like disrupt and stuff. Mm-hmm. Our goal is just to, to try to be a little better. And it's it's really that simple. Um, it's not easy to do consistently. So the reason I bring that up in relationship to your question is, one way I think to avoid burnout is to just uh, reduce reduce the problem you're trying to solve. Um, it's almost like simplify your goals a little bit and just try to be a little better today than you were yesterday at, at your job. And so for that can look at just reducing your to-do list from 10 items to just three items and just getting those three items done and done to a slightly higher quality than you would have done them yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me and even periods where it's a long grind and you're not able to, 
get up and go for a run in the middle of the day or something. That's been kind of, that's been a good mantra that's allowed me to reach the end of every day and feel successful if I put in that effort. So, um, and I, most of the people I went to school with are, are teachers now and they're in high schools and elementary schools kind of spread out around the country. But that's something I've seen from them, uh, you know, with their interaction with students and stuff. It's just be a little bit more effective, a little bit better than you were the day before. And that kind of washes away a lot of the the burnout and the stress and the exhaustion that can come with, with just working in general. So you mentioned success and that word alone means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. What does success mean to you and how has that evolved over the course of the years and your experiences? Yeah. So I would say success as a, uh, team builder, whether that was as a captain um, in athletics or now as the CEO of, of my company, that has meant uh, making sure I'm surrounding myself with people that every single day, if I'm not the top of my game, I can't keep up. Uh, that used to mean I literally couldn't keep up on training runs. Um, now that means uh, I will be the, the roadblock that they encounter, right? Or I, if I'm not on top of my game, I can't get them the information they need to, to be on the top of their game. So when it comes to building a team and what success is there, for me, it's um, a group of eight players that push me every single day to be, like I said, just to be a little bit better than I was the day before. Success on an from an individual standpoint for me is making sure I'm able to just just be better than I was yesterday and um, I'm not burning out, right? So am I showing up to work, uh, excited to work? In fact, the first thing I ask myself every morning when I get out of uh, bed is, do I actually want to go into my office that day and work? Um, and so far since starting my company, um, that I have now and I've had for the last two years, every single day the answer's been yes. Because the reality is I could go get a job for another company and have job security and great health insurance and things like that. And so I think it's important for me to answer that question every day. So from a success standpoint, um, success to me is the answer is yes every morning. Um, I'm excited about the people that I work with and those the clients and companies we work for feel like uh, they're well taken care of and that they're a better company because they engage with, um, with myself and my team at OTL Ventures. Your transition from college athletics in your college career to where you are now certainly wasn't a straight line. Uh, I don't want to say it was a, a roller coaster mm -hmm. either, but there were different things that you did throughout the process and throughout the years uh, you mentioned you were an education major and teaching and you tried that and you've been with a couple different startups and now you're in this position where, as you just talked about, you're really happy with where you are. You've identified what that happiness looks like to you, what success looks like to you, and you're in a good spot. What advice would you have for somebody that is either at that point where they're just finishing up their college career and they're looking to trans? Position into the business world, or maybe they're in that precarious position that you were where you started out teaching and you're like, eh, I don't know if this is really for me. And you wanted to try something different. Do you have any advice for those people? Yeah. So I, I would say not to overthink it or over plan it and just kind of jump in and start 
being an adult. Uh, uh, I have siblings, and so the, the term we use is adulting. You just kind of start adulting. <laughs> um, and I, I was the oldest, so I was the first person that went through that transition in my family. But then since then, uh, each sibling that's done it, the common theme is like just start adulting. Um, and it, it's not going to be perfect. I, when I first moved to Oregon, was, uh, I hadn't yet got a job uh, in that marketing department. Um, so I was, I was running very seriously, and then I was working at a frozen yogurt shop. And as someone with a college degree who gave up teaching recently, working in a frozen yogurt shop wasn't, wasn't glamorous. But the reality was uh, I was a Division three athlete, so I didn't have a scholarship. So I had very real bills to pay. Um, and, and, and so just kind of jumped in and started adulting immediately. And I've been, I've been really impressed by individuals I've interviewed and hired throughout the years that came out of school and just immediately dove into real life and making ends meet and the, uh, the maturity that that brought, brought about, um, and the grit that that kind of created in them. And it made them awesome employees when they, when they, uh, landed at a great job later on. Very cool. So talk to us about, we all deal with adversity, moments of adversity. Some are bigger than others. Some are personal. Some are in our athletic or career uh, moments. Was there one moment in particular that you can point to or that you can look back on and say, wow, this really changed who I am or this really helped shape the person I've become today? Yeah, I have I, two come to mind. So the, the first would be... Um, when I was serious playing soccer uh, in the beginning of high school, um, and puberty just came too late, uh, <laughs> and um, which sounds like kind of a ridiculous thing, but I wasn't growing as fast as I thought, and so I looked for a change. But what that built in me is this constant feeling of like being behind and a very big chip on my shoulder, which at times probably made me an insufferable person to be around. Um, but it kind of drove me to uh to perform really well and it also it gave me a good picture of what i wanted people around me to have you know that kind of chip on their shoulder um and kind of be constantly battling because they have they have something to prove so that would be i would say it's not really so much adversity but that was something that definitely changed my path quite a bit Mm -hmm. um and then when i the other thing would be when I stepped away from um, Chronotrack as the COO, uh, I started a startup with um, a couple of really, really talented people, but we were much different from a team perspective. And so that startup lasted about 10 months before I left it. And what I realized is that the individuals I was working with were more from a raw talent standpoint, more talented and had better resumes and stuff than anyone I'd worked with previously. But we didn't have a shared kind of team vision. We didn't have kind of that be better attitude where every day we were just trying to be a little bit better than the, the day before. We were constantly hoping we were going to make these huge leaps and bounds in, in performance and in growth. And they just didn't come. So when I failed, when I failed at that company, and I, I think failed is an appropriate term, I was a CEO and I, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, build a team that... Um, that I could work well with. Um, when I exited that company, that was definitely a low point. And, and that point made me go back to the drawing board a little bit to, to look back at my um, journey up to that, up to that time and see what, 
what things had worked for me, what things hadn't worked for me, so that when I started OTL um, Ventures, uh, which was about three months after exiting that that company, um, I I had a much better idea what it was I was looking for, and more importantly, who I wanted to surround myself with. I love that. Be better. I got to get myself one of those backpacks. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're awesome. Yeah, every, every employee has one, and we have some employees scattered all around the world, and so we've spent more money on shipping them than we have on actually getting them. But uh, well, well worth it for each person to kind of uh, have that close to them on their commute into the work into work every day. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're gonna go with a couple people questions here to yeah. finish up. Give me a couple influencers that have shaped you, your life, and what's important about them. Why are they important to you or what makes them stand out to you? Yeah, so uh, first would be um, certainly my father. He's a residential contractor and, and almost his entire career was just him and, and one employee. And so what I learned from him is that working hard wasn't an option. It's just something you do. Um, and not only is it something you do, but it's good. It's nothing to complain about. It's something to take pride in and it's something to be, uh, excited about. And so I've still up to this point, don't feel like I've ever worked a day as hard in my life as, as he has his entire life. So that, that was a huge, that had a huge impact on me. Um, and I continue to observe that every day and, and days like today here in Colorado where we have snow on the ground, he's out at a job and I'm sitting at a desk. Um, so once I'm still not working uh, as hard as he does every single day. So that was a huge influencer influence to me. And then the other was actually a, um, a runner that I met early on in my career who has run on world championship teams, um, run the Olympic trials several times has been the first American at, uh, the New York city marathon previously. And his, his name is Matt down and he was the first, first person I had met at a really high level that, that went on some runs with me, watched me train and kind of thought that I could be good. Um, and he, he made that really obvious, uh, and just as simple as saying like, Hey, if you keep, if you keep running and you keep training di- diligently, like you can actually be really good at this sport. And that was, when I was just in high school and, and very early on in my career that he had said that. And, and that was to have someone of his caliber say that. And it was really the first person that said in the sport of distance running that I could, that I could be good and accomplish something special. The funny thing is from that, from that relationship, Matt ended up getting me into the, the team I ran for out in Oregon. And then him and I actually worked together uh, as co-workers at a couple startups. Um, so it, it, it really created a long-lasting relationship. But from that very beginning, um, the first run we went together, and he kind of said just like, hey, if you keep at this um, and you uh, continue to have that chip on your shoulder, um, I think you could be really good at this. And uh, he probably said that too because I tried to outkick him at the end of a training run that we were doing together. Um, and, you know, he would go, I would go on to play his top five in my conference meet. And that fall, he went on to be the top American at New York City Marathon. So I was definitely punching above my, my weight class. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. So, yeah. So at Talent 409, we talk about dynamic leaders all the time. And the definition that we use for dynamic leaders are people that create opportunities for success on and off the field. So when we're coaching or when we're training with these people, that's what we're trying to do is create opportunities for success on and off the field using a lot of the influences and the values and the things that people such as yourself 
use on a daily basis to find success and happiness. Do you have one person that comes to mind that you would consider a dynamic leader and why? Hmm, that's a good one. So I, I, yeah, I definitely had coaches. Um, one coach in particular, my coach at Cortland, and I kind of mentioned he was brand new at Cortland the same year I was. So we kind of got to start and, and do our journey together there. But he was a, uh, his name is Matt Moran, and he, he definitely was a dynamic leader because of the way he pushed us um, from a training standpoint. But his goal from the very beginning was um, to coach us so that we could coach ourselves. And um, as part of that, he would let us write our own training um, for like the summer period or even like winter break. And then he would critique it and we would have, uh, you know, they would turn into arguments sometimes, but uh, the right kind of arguments, right, debates. Um, back and forth around um, whether or not the training was going to do the trick, whether or not it was hard enough, was it, were we going too soft on ourselves? So what that, what that did and, and why I really view that as, as a dynamic leader and why it was so important to me is it, it turned an activity which was running that we did from a very physical standpoint and it challenged us to look at it analytically and it challenged us to um, think about it a lot deeper um, in terms of what is the science behind this. Um, and, and it almost made it an ac academic pursuit and it made us really curious too. So that was kind of a way, I think, when I look back on how he did that, it was a way he was taking on the field um, performance-related items and taking it off the field um, and challenging us to just be more curious. And that's that's something that I've continued to use uh, from the very beginning. Um, he was also, you know, he was also a PhD in biomechanics and a, a professor and a father. Um, and so there's a lot of examples, a lot of examples outside of just that one that made him dynamic. But I think finding a very relatable medium in which to challenge us all intellectually was um, was fantastic. And and while I don't, I have coached previously track and field um, in my career. I'm not now, but a lot of uh, my other teammates are. Uh, coaches and, or coaches or, you know, a couple are, are working in biomechanics labs, helping create running and training shoes and stuff like that. And so um, I think that intellectual curiosity that he created in us has certainly outlasted, uh, outlasted or outlived his time working with us and has had a huge impact on the workforce in different industries. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I want to give you an opportunity here. Uh, right at the end, what's going on in, in your world? What's going on in the tech world? Anything big that you want to talk about here with the audience? Yes. So my company is uh, OTL Ventures and OTL actually stems back from uh, my time running cross country in college. It stands for on the line. The idea is that we as a company are on the line with our clients. We're kind of standing right there. Um, we're not behind them or in front of them. We're, we're uh, joining them on their journey. And, and what we do is we help build uh, software or digital products um, for different startups, um, both in Colorado, as well as we've worked with some East Coast and West Coast companies. Um, so that's where the majority of majority of my focus every single day is. Uh, and it's it's an absolute blast. So I would I would encourage anyone that has a idea for a product that they want to see built. That's certainly uh, I'm a good person to reach out out for. And then I would also just say that anyone interested even in, in technology or curious, 
should find a way to dive into it. Startups are always looking for people to come on and just do things like customer support, really just another warm body, Um, people to come on and and do software testing and things like that. And um, getting into the software and the startup world has changed my life. And I think it's uh, a great pursuit for people to do, uh, to take on regardless of their background, as long as they're willing to um, grind a little bit and maybe work a job that feels a little bit below them um, as they gain some experience. Yeah, and having been in a startup world myself in the past and you know, running my own company, I can certainly echo a lot of that. Seamus, if uh, anyone wants to get in touch with you or just learn more about your company and the things that you're doing, where can you direct them to? So I would say they can certainly go to otlventures.com. That's our website. Um, and then, honestly, I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. Um, I have Twitter and stuff, but I'm, I'm not wildly active. Most of my energy goes to um, uh, internal and working with the clients we do. I don't, I don't spend much time on social networks. Excellent. Cool. And we'll put that information as we do with all our guests into the show notes so we can at least link you up to the site there. But uh, yeah, Seamus, I appreciate you taking some time here to hop on. Really great conversation. I think the audience certainly learned a lot. I know I learned a lot just from listening to to you uh, talk through your experiences. So I really appreciate the time. Absolutely, Colin. Thank you. Thanks again to Seamus Nally for hopping on the show. That was certainly an insightful and educational conversation I hope you enjoyed it. I know I certainly did. And we thank Seamus for coming on. After the holiday, there will be another solo pod episode. So keep an eye out for that. And for everybody who's traveling and spending time with family and friends this Thanksgiving week, please be safe. Enjoy the time. Thanks for taking some time to listen to this podcast. Until next time, take it easy. So